Hey everybody, my name is Kenny and thank you so much for joining us again. And also thank you Marshall and Joel for that introduction as we start a brand new series that we really are excited about, Dumb Things Christians Say. Now let me jump out there and say this. This is not a series where we make fun of people, okay? Because if we were doing that, we would just make fun of me the whole time because I have said some really dumb things in my life. As a matter of fact, I'm guessing you have as well. So if you've said some dumb things, can you just put a thumbs up or just go, yep, in the little chat area right there? Go ahead, come on, come on, just put the thumbs up. We're going, yep, that's me. Look, 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 just look how dumb we are, okay? So we just need to agree we have said some really dumb things before. And so this series is not about knocking anyone down, but we are going to have a lot of fun together. Here's what this series is about. The series is about maybe we've said some things or maybe we've heard other Christians say some things that just aren't true. And when you think about it, you think, okay, that's not even possible when I really think about it. So here's what this series is about. This series is about taking some phrases that we have either said before or we've heard other Christians say and we're gonna invite God to speak into that because here's what I believe. I believe that in the dumb things we have said before in our relationship with other people and perhaps our view of God himself, that God doesn't call us dumb, but he just invites us to a better way to live life in that area. And today we start by taking a phrase that maybe you've said or maybe you've heard and the phrase is simply this, forgive and forget. When you get hurt, just forgive and forget. That's what you need to do. That's what the Bible says do. Just forgive them and forget it and move on. Just sweep it under the rug and let's move on. Well, did you know that there are a lot of verses in the Bible that tell us we should forgive those who hurt us, but there's not one verse in the Bible that says we should forget what happened. I mean, how do you erase a memory? And now the Apostle Paul said, forgetting what is behind me. But that's not in the sense of erasing my memory because that's just not possible. Can we agree that memory is a good thing, but it can also be a painful thing when we think about people who have hurt us? Now, I don't know your story, but if your story is anything like my story, a long life's journey, someone has hurt you. And let me be honest, along life's journey, I've hurt other people intentionally, unintentionally, with words that I've said or maybe actions that I've done. I know that's happened to me. And, and when I think about those moments in my life, yeah, it, I, I can't forget those moments. So when we hear the phrase, forgive and forget, not only is it not possible, we just need to agree, it's really not wise either. Uh, example, um, if you were to hire a contractor to redo your kitchen, contractor comes in, measures everything out, asks you, hey, what would you like done? And you're saying, well, we'd like the uh, new countertops or perhaps new cabinets. Um, and he gets started. Three days go by. Number one, he hasn't done a whole lot of work. Number two, there's water everywhere because he's busted a few pipes. Number three, uh, the countertop is now completely shattered. So now you have to get new everything and you just look at the contractor and you're like, hey, listen, this is not going well, not in a direction that we actually wanted it to go. And so we're gonna hire someone else. You hire someone else, they do the job. A year goes by and maybe you and your spouse go, hey, Let's redo our back deck. 
and you hire the very first contractor because you forgave him and you forgot about him. That's unwise, okay? So there are moments in life where forgiving and forgetting, it's just not wise. And we just have to agree, it's not even possible to forgive and forget. Now, some people would take that same phrase and it's not forgive and forget. Some people would say forgiving is forgetting. And we think, well, now where would that come from? Let me be honest to say, I've actually heard other preachers say this before. Where do they get that from? From the Bible. Um, there are verses that talks about God not remembering your past, your sin, your failures. So to forgive actually means we are forgetting. And if we've not forgotten it or forgotten what they've done completely, then we haven't forgiven them completely. I just want to jump out, of, out there to say that's really dumb. Again, we established that it's impossible so let's just back up to say, okay, God, what does it really mean when it says in Scripture that you don't remember those things anymore? Let me give you one verse just as an example. You can see it there on your screen. In Jeremiah 31, 34, I will forgive their wickedness. There's the forgiveness part. And I will never remember their sins. So there it is. So it says he will never remember. So to forgive means forgetting, or does it? So I, I wanna answer two questions today, that's all. And then we're gonna end with a really powerful testimony. So make sure you stick around for that. But the, the first question is on this forgetting aspect, and, and it's real simple. What does it mean that God will never Remember, what, what does it mean? Does it mean that he actually truly forgets our sins and he can't remember them anymore? Um, I'm going to go out there with a really strong no. That is not what it means. Here's why. Because if you can remember something that God can't remember, you're a lot smarter than him. <laughs> if you can remember something that God can't even remember, you're a little bit better in one area of your life than God is. Now, I'm getting to the age where I'm having a hard time remembering a whole lot of things because I've had way too many Diet Cokes. I acknowledge that. I confess that. But there are worse addictions to have. But I like there are moments I just forget my keys, right? It's like, where, where did my keys go? Oh, they're over there. Is that what the verse means when it says he will remember no more? Think about it. If I were to say, God... I really am sorry about what happened yesterday. Like, I, it still bothers me. I know you have forgiven me because I remember asking when it was all done, please forgive me. And so, but God, I, I really want to know, did you forgive me? And imagine God saying, what are you talking about? What, what happened yesterday? Well, God, you know, I mean, you're God. You were there. You saw it all go down. And I'm just wanting to say again that I'm sorry. Does God go, Okay, honestly, I swear to me, I, I really, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, did you, did, did you rob a bank? Like, you, you're going to have to remind me because I can't remember what happened. And you go, I was driving on the interstate. The guy cut me off. I waved at him with one hand, one finger. And, uh, well, you know, God, you were there and I told you I was sorry. He's like, you did that to another driver? 
golly, I can't believe you're that bad. Is that what it means? Obviously, that's not what it means when it says all throughout Scripture, God will remember your sins no more. Well, then what exactly does it mean? Let me throw the positive side of this. Because there's another verse in the Bible that talks about God remembering someone. Okay, remember the flood, okay? So uh, the Bible says that there was a time in uh, Noah's life, perhaps you heard of Noah, and it's not that people were wicked. Go read the story again. It's that every inclination of their heart was wicked and every thought was wicked. Now, we live in a wicked society. I don't think we would deny that. But we don't live in a society to where every inclination of the heart and every thought of the mind is wicked. That was Noah's day. So God was going to start over, and he was giving them grace. He was giving them mercy. And so he asked Noah to build a boat, if you remember. There's an interesting verse, though. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, here's what it says. After the flood, God remembered Noah. Isn't that interesting? It said, God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and livestock with him in the boat. Now, there it is again. So it's not that God is not remembering. Now God is remembering. So did he forget about Noah? Like, did an angel come to God one day and tap him on the shoulder? Hey, God, I know you're busy, but uh, you remember Noah? Like, he's still on the boat. Noah, Noah. Oh, Noah. Hey, turn the water hose off. You know, he's going to stink on that boat with all the... Yeah, get him out. Get him out. No, no, no. Here's what it means when it says God remembered Noah. Are you ready? Noah was on God's heart and in God's mind. That Noah never left God's heart or his mind, and God was remembering Noah the whole time. That's what it means. So, when we talk about forgive and forgetting, we're tapping into something in the heart of God that it's not that he's forgetting our sin for our sake. It's that he's not remembering our sins for a relational intimacy with us. It's not that he's just casting them away, going, okay, don't you feel better because I've gotten rid of your sins and I don't even remember what they are. No, no, no. He's remembering Noah. He's remembering you. You are so on his heart and you're so in his thoughts. So the psalmist said that, that who, who can outnumber the thoughts that God has towards us? I mean, that they're incredible. He thinks about you. Therefore, when it comes to your sins, when it comes to my sins, he remembers us, and he chooses to do something about them. And it's not just to forget them. See, let, let's look at it again. Same verse, but I want you to look at a different word. Jeremiah 31, 34. I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never remember. Here's the Hebrew word, zakar, their sins. I will never zakar their sins. What does the word zakar mean? Here's what it means throughout the Old Testament. Make mention of, bring to mind, or to record something. That's what the word means. So let's use that phrase in the verse again. Here's what it means. I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never make mention of their sins. 
Here's what it means. God has forgiven you and he will never bring it back up in your face. God has forgiven you and he's not gonna bring back out your record going, hang on, hang on, hang on. Now you remember spring break, mm-hmm, 1982, remember what went down? No, 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 here's what, God is making you a promise. I will never bring up your past. I will not remember them against you. Why? Because he's not teaching a principle throughout the Old Testament and he's definitely not living this idea of forgive and forget. I don't even know what you did. That's impossible. We acknowledge that. So why would we expect God to do something that we we can't even do, right? It's more than that. It's so intentional. It's so relational that God says, you are so important to me. And my heart for you is that we stay united. We stay close. And I know, I know, I know everything you've ever done. And if anyone has a right to bring up anything about the past, it would be me. But I'm choosing to never do that because I love you. And I will not, I will not remember what you've done and bring it up in our relationship together. Can I just get an amen in the chat window? Aren't you glad that God does not remember? That is, he does not bring up your sins, bring up your past, remind you of your failures, to keep his finger pointed in your face, that you would always obey out of fear. You would follow him because you're so scared of him, because he knows everything about you. No, 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 no. He just chooses. I will not do that. That's what the word means he will not remember. So what does the word forgive actually mean? That's actually the second question I want to answer. What does forgiveness mean? There was a study done a long time ago. I love this study. It's a great study. And it was basically, what do people want to hear the most in life? So many different options, so many different things said, but the three phrases that people most want to hear, these three, fa- these three uh, phrases, sorry about that, uh, these three phrases actually did something to a person's emotions, something to a person's mind, and something to a person's body. Here are the three phrases that people most want to hear. As a matter of fact, you want to guess real fast in the chat area? Go ahead. What do you think people most want to hear? Okay. You probably got the first one. I love you. People want to hear, I love you. Now, if you're a parent of teenagers, my suggestion is if you don't have a dog, go get a dog so that you will feel loved every time you come home. I'm just throwing that out there. That's free information. If you don't have one, go get one. So I love you. People want to hear the words, I love you. Second phrase people most want to hear, you probably guessed it, it's what we're talking about. I forgive you. People want to know we're okay with one another. I'm not going to hold against you what happened. I love you. I forgive you. Odds are you did not guess the third one, but maybe someone did. Let's eat. I mean, come on. Everybody wants to eat with their friends, with their family. So let's eat. Now, of course, I want to talk about the second one. I forgive you. Listen, here's why we're talking about this, and it's so important. The success and health, the success and health of your marriage, of your friendships, is dictated on how well you give forgiveness and receive forgiveness. 
the success and health of your marriage, um, an okay marriage that can go to a great marriage is when it's often said, please forgive me. And the words are repeated, I forgive you. We're okay. A good friendship goes to a great friendship. I shouldn't have said that, and I need you. Please forgive me. And the words are said back, I forgive you. And a relationship is now restored. That's why this is so important of what we're talking about. So what is forgiveness? Great question. In Matthew 18, I'm not going to read it to you. I encourage you to go read it later on. Matthew 18, Jesus tells a story. And he tells a story about a king. And the king represents God in the story. The king had a servant, the servant representing us. The king went to a servant who owed him something. And when you read the story, look for that word owed. He owed the king. He owed the king. He owed the king. And he actually owed the king in today's dollars because I'm a preacher, I only work one day a week. So I had the time to do the math of what it would be in today's dollars. And here's what this servant owed this king. Are you ready? In today's dollars, $2.2 billion. Not million, $2.2 billion. Now maybe you have that sitting around somewhere, okay? But this guy did not. As a matter of fact, it would take him over, yep, I did the math, over a thousand lifetimes to even start paying back the king. In other words, he was never going to be able to pay the king back. So when we talk about forgiveness, we have to talk about these three words that require forgiveness. You owe me. Forgiveness is needed when someone owes you something, when they've taken something from you, when they've stolen something from you. And here's what's really difficult with this thing called forgiveness. And it's why we can't forget in the sense of just forgive and forget is because many times people take things from us or people owe us things they can never give us. It's like 2.2 billion dollars. How do you give someone what you don't have? See, maybe for some of you, your parents owe you a childhood because they walked out on you. How do they, how, how do they give that back to you? But they owe you. Maybe someone owes you a promise that they made, but they broke. See, how do they give that back to you? They owe you that. Someone owes you recognition. You're working so hard, everyone else is getting the recognition, but you know, you know they're not working harder than you, and you feel like your boss actually owes you the raise or the recognition. How do you owe someone something that they have taken from you how, and they can't repay it. They just can't repay it. When you read the story that Jesus told, this king does something. He acknowledges what this servant owed him that he could never pay back. And then the king does something. He forgives him. Now, so what does forgiveness actually mean? Great question. The word that's used is this word. You see it on your screen. Epiphany to release, to cut off or send away, to release, 
to cut off or to send away. When you read the story that Jesus told explaining what forgiveness is, there's an acknowledgement. You took something from me and you owe me. You don't owe me anymore. I'm cutting it off. I'm not holding you hostage anymore. There's no debt that I'm going to hold over your head anymore. I am sending it away so that when I look at you, I can forgive to cut off and forget, not bring it back up. That is the biblical definition of forgive and forget. You do owe me, but I'm cutting that off. I'm sending away what you owe me. You do not owe me anymore. And when my emotions and feelings come up, I'm not going to go grab it and bring it back up in front of your face. That is to forget from a biblical sense. Now, now, when you think about what that person owes you, whoever hurt you, whoever did what they did to you, maybe it was an addiction they had and you just caught the shrapnel of their addiction and they can't give you back that time. Maybe they literally, literally stole money from you. A coworker, maybe a business partner, and they can't give that much, whatever it is. What did they steal from you? Identify it and know it, okay? Then multiply that by a billion, two billion, three billion. <laughs> this is what we owe God and we can't give it back. Scripture says he knows things about us that we don't even know. He knows sins that we've committed that we don't even know we've committed. It's in the billions of what we owe him. And yet he starts our relationship by saying, I forgive you. You don't owe me anymore and I'm never gonna bring it back up. You see this over and over in the Bible. Can I just share some of these verses so that you can just have these verses read over you that this is your God, this is your heavenly Father who has forgiven and forgotten what you have done. Look at this, Isaiah 43, 25. I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins. That means to obliterate. I will obliterate your sins for my own sake. And here it is. I will remember your sins no more. Psalm 32, verse 1. How happy he is whose wrongdoing is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Psalm 103, 10 and 12. He, talking about God, God does not, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our wickedness. He has taken our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. Isaiah 38, 17, you have put all my sins behind your back. Micah chapter seven, verse 18, there is no God like you. You forgive those who are guilty of sin. You don't look at the sins of your people because you enjoy being kind. And you will have mercy on us again. 
You will conquer our sins. Watch this. Look at this. You will throw away all our sins into the deepest part of the sea. Listen, if God has thrown your sins in remembrance into the deepest part of the sea, don't go fishing for them again. <laughs> Quit asking him to forgive you for something you did so long ago. He has forgiven and he has forgotten, meaning he's not bringing them back up out of the water. So you don't have to either. This is your God. And it says in Isaiah 44, 22, I have swept away your sins like a cloud. I have scattered your offenses like the morning mist. Here and gone. And God would say, where are they? Where are they? And God would say, you show me, where are they? And we would say, God, you remember, I never forget. I'm just not bringing them up. And I don't want you to bring them up either. I love you. You're mine. And I'm yours. See, when it comes to forgiving other people who've hurt us, perspective matters. And the perspective is that we take our life with what we owe God and we put the cross up between us and that person. And what they owe us, God paid for for our own life with him. And when, when this perspective happens in our heart, when we understand and recognize and experience that God has forgiven me of everything and he has forgotten, meaning he'll never bring it back up, this changes how we see other people who've hurt us. I'm not saying it's overnight. Forgiveness for you with what happened may be a journey. It may be a moment in time. It may be a conversation to be had that you've been putting off for years and years. I'm not sure, and the Holy Spirit will lead you on that road, but it's always encouraging to hear someone else's road that they've walked when it comes to forgiving and forgetting. I want you to hear Bruce's story. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I really loved my childhood. I felt like I was the apple of my father's eye. My father and I just did everything together. I was kind of like his shadow, and um, my my life was great. But as good as everything really was, one thing that also affected it was my father's alcohol abuse. He was alcoholic. I was with my dad fishing the day he went off probation. And he bought alcohol for the people that allowed us to fish on their property. And when they asked him to drink have a drink with him. I couldn't believe it, and it was whiskey. And uh, I just remember my stomach got really upset, and it was it was rough. Um, we went back home. Uh, things started to change. I became very biting with my words. I would say really mean things to my dad, uh, 
everything was building to a, a bad ending. And then one day, Dad just left. I, I was there, uh, home for lunch. We lived a half a block from school, and my mother was begging him not to leave. She said, I can't handle these six kids. Please don't go. And uh, he just got in the car and left. And instead of my anger getting less um, after my dad left, my anger got worse. And I had hated him for at least three solid years. Somebody recognized me and invited me back to the church that we attended when I was a child. I walked in that, that evening and the pastor, I don't remember what he preached on, but at the end of his message, he said, would you, would you like to receive Jesus? And I remember thinking, I want nothing more than that. And I went forward, prayed a, an unemotional but very sincere prayer to invite Jesus to be Lord of my life. And before I got up and got back to my, the pew that I was sitting in, I just had this unbelievable desire to see my father and tell him I loved him. And it was the first indication that God was really doing something radical in my, in my life. So I wrote him a letter. Uh, he wrote me back. He offered to pay my way on the Greyhound bus to visit him. And if you have any idea of how many stops there are between Wisconsin and Washington. Wow. My father, who was never late for anything in his life, was waiting. And uh, he got a little nervous when he could see I was serious. I had thought about this a lot, and I said, Dad, will you forgive? And he interrupted me. He said, it's okay. Everything's okay. I looked him in the eye and I said, No, Dad, you have to listen to me. I am sorry for my anger, for my mean, foul words, and for disrespecting you. And I remember he looked down at his shoes, he looked up at my shoulder, and then he looked me squarely in the eye. And he said, I forgive you. And then he paused and he said, but I haven't been the greatest dad in the world. Will you forgive me? Wow, he didn't have to say that. I said, I looked in his big blue eyes and I said, dad, I forgive you. And we hugged, we, we're not really a hugging family at that point. And, and we hugged, and that is still one of 
the greatest memories uh, of my entire life. I, um, I'll never forget it. So powerful, isn't it? <laughs> and did you notice, by the way, when it hit Bruce, it was it was hard. Not not. It was just in his heart to go. I need to forgive my dad. It happened when he realized that God had actually forgiven him for all of his sins. See, this is the perspective change. And maybe, just maybe, you're like Bruce. Maybe you just want someone to ask you, do you want to give your life to Christ? Do you want God to look at you and say, you are forgiven? I want to give you that opportunity right now. And I'm asking you, do you want to hear your father say, you're forgiven and I will never bring it up again between us. And you can have a brand new life. If that's you, would you pray with me? Just say, dear father, you know all of my sins. I acknowledge them. I confess them. And I need forgiveness. So I'm asking, will you forgive me? I believe that your son paid my debt for me. And I believe he came back to life to live through me. So the best way I know how, I surrender my life to you. You are not only my Father, but you are my Lord and my Savior. And I invite the Holy Spirit into my life to lead me, to guide me, to comfort me, teach me, and speak to me. Thank you for cleansing me of all unrighteousness and making me brand new today. In your name I pray, amen.